Okay, good evening, everyone. How are you? How's everyone doing? Nice to see you. Okay. I see that everyone is automatic, is muted, but I, I see you, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so it's good to see you. We miss seeing everybody in person, but we'll take what we can get, Baruch Hashem. It's good to see everyone. Uh, everyone should stay well, stay healthy, stay strong. Um, I wanted to, uh, you know, usually there's a Monday night parsha shir uh, that I've given for many years for women. And um, I wanted to give a shear tonight uh, to the women of the shul. And uh, especially this week, this is the first week after Yom Tov, first week in this new circumstance. And um, in, this, in this difficult time, it's also, uh, also in other ways a significant, uh, significant for week for me. And uh, I wanted to, to share with you some words of Torah. Yes, they're going to be words of Torah that will be built somewhat around the Parsha. They're going to build somewhat around the season, but hopefully are here as well to address us exactly where we are um, in this period, not just this time of year, but this time in our lives, this unique time in history. And um, I hope I hope it will be of some value and some meaning for uh, for everyone. The power of speech. The koach hadibur. Uh, we're, we're coming off of the Yom Tov of Pesach, and uh, on the Yom Tov of Pesach, the power of speech is front and center to just about everything that we, that we do, that we celebrate. We know that the Yom Tov of Pesach has a text, which is its central text, one of the most published books in so many forms, and it's called the Haggadah, the telling, the telling of the story. Because while there are many mitzvahs that we do on the night of the Seder, in a certain sense, we take them all as a stimulation for a discussion, to stimulate the discussion. We do mitzvahs, and people say, so why are you doing this? And this gives us a springboard to explain, to tell the story of our past, to tell the story of the destiny of the Jewish people. The mitzvah is Haggadah. I think that many of you know, and I've certainly shared with some of you, that there's a, a classic mystical tradition that says that the name of the Yom Tiv, Pesach, is actually a combination of two words, Pesach, the mouth that speaks. The Yom Tiv of Pesach is so focused around the power of speech. Moshe Rabbeinu, the savior of the Jewish people, when he first is approached by Hashem, about redeeming the Jewish people. He says, how could I do it? How could I do it? I don't have the power of speech. I'm unable to speak. And HaKadosh Baruch Hashem says to him, don't worry, I'm the one who gives the people the power to speak. And of course, was there anyone in the history of the world, in the history of the Jewish people, whose power of speech was more impactful than Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu, what's the most common verse in the Torah? Hashem el Moshe, Lemor, Hashem spoke to Moshe, Lemor to say, which the, the classic interpretation is, of course, he told Moshe so that Moshe should turn around and tell it to the rest of us. Torah, 
Tzivalanu Moshe, the first words you're supposed to teach a child when a child begins to be able to speak is the Torah Tzivalanu Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu instructed us in the Torah, the Morasha, the heritage of the Jewish community. Isn't that an amazing thing? As a child's mouth opens to be able to speak, we mention that Moshe Rabbeinu was the ultimate speaker for the Jewish people, someone who thought that he couldn't. But then Hashem opened his mouth to be able to speak and to be able to share Torah with the Jewish people. And in the view of Chazal, in the view of our in the view of our svarim, of, of our holy and more mystical sources, that's what came out of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, was, you know, we have, we, we use the term freedom of speech, but Zman Cheiruseinu, the festival of our freedom, opened up really the ability to speak and to communicate, and we celebrate it by speech. We celebrate it by communication. What's the communication of Pesach? The communication of Pesach is the communication of one generation to the next, of someone who has something to share, sharing that something with somebody else. And we understand that in that way, the power of speech, the koach of dibur, the power of speech is really the power of, of, of chibur. It's the power of connection. It creates the ability to create a bond between one generation and the next, between one person and the next. Now the Parsha that we read this week, Parsha's Tazria, Tazria Metzorah, the central focus of it, the main focus of it, is the, the power, I'm sorry, the, is the, the, the phenomenon of the Metzorah, the leper. And the Metzorah Tzoras, as we know, comes as a result of what? As a result of a failure in the use of the power of speech. The Metzorah, like Miriam, who became a Metzoras because she spoke negatively and she divided. She divided between people. The Metzorah speaks negatively and creates division between people. And that's why the punishment of the Metzorah, the leper, is that he's michutz lamachane. He's outside of the camp. He's banished to be separate from everybody else. And our sages tell us that it's very simple, that the punishment, so to speak, fits the crime that they, the person came and they divided between people with their power of speech, so therefore they're isolated and separated from everybody else. The power of speech is the power to unify, the power of communi- communication, the power to create community. So I, I want to just speak about this, to communicate about this a little bit more, to maybe just point out some things to highlight some things as we view this unique koach, this unique power, and then to explore a little bit how it expresses itself in our relationships, in our relationships within our own small circle or within a broader circle, and perhaps how we can specifically imagine how we can bring it to a new level during the experience that we're going through now. The power of speech is that which uniquely qualifies a human being as such. I think that many of you are familiar that when the Chazal, when the sages spoke, and when the Rishonim, and it's found as well in, in, in works of philosophy outside of the Jewish people, 
when they speak about the different levels of existence, so we speak about the domain, the inanimate objects like the earth itself, someach, which is the beginnings of life, plant life, chai, other living things, animals, and then the top of the pyramid is the human being. But how is the human being referred to as? Not just a, a growing thing, not just a living thing, but a midaber, but a communicative being, a speaking being. That's the way it was referred to, human beings referred to. The special class is midaber, one who speaks. There's a famous comment or ex- uh, translation in the Targumunculus, in the classic translation, perhaps the most famous translation that he offered in the Torah. When man was infused with the breath of life and came alive, it says, and man came l'nefesh chaya, and the Targum translates nefesh chaya, which seemingly would just mean a living soul, and he translates it as l'ruach memalala. Man became a speaking being. The level of a human being of the highest is to speak. Now why is that? So of course speech implies intelligence, hopefully. Um, uh, you know, speech is, uh, is uh, something through which a person's able to share the things which are deepest and most important. But speech is really, as we have a feature in, Hing- in English, right? communication is what creates community. Communication is what creates the ability of people to connect, to commune with one another, to come together. And what is the most unique quality in terms of a human being is the ability to create communication, to create connection. Connection between people. You know that, I'll I'll share with you a different fundamental comment, which is found right there in those same stories of creation. Profound, I think. You know, when, when Hashem created uh, man, so he said, you know, he created man, and then he said, you know, lotov levado. It's not good for man to be alone. Uh, and from that, we have the process which develops, and woman is created from man. And the verse says, al Cain, henceforth, yazov ish as ishto. A man will leave from his father and mother, and attach himself to his wife. And they will become like one flesh. They will become as one. Rashi interprets, and he says, what does that mean? Because the man and woman get together, and together they conceive a child that is a single being that brings together the father and the mother. Right? The, the, the child is the merger of the father and the mother into one flesh. And that's what the verse means. The two come together and together they will form a single entity with God's help that's the fusion of the two of them. The Ramban disagrees sharply with Rashi. And he says, what you just described is a biological reality that male and female come together to produce a child. And that's not something which is unique to a human being. That's true of everything in the animal kingdom. Things come together together. And together they fuse and they produce a single flesh. They produce a child that's a combination of the male and female. What the verse was describing here was something unique in the human relationship. 
After all, Hashem created the male and female of the human being differently than everybody else. The female horse and the male horse were created separately, and they just figured out that they matched. But the human being, God created man, and from him he created the woman, and then they came back together. Says the Ramban, when it says that they come together to be like one, it was saying something which is humanly unique, and that is that they forge a relationship. It's not talking about that the father and mother get together and create a child. It's talking about that the father and mother get together and they create a relationship between the two of them. A relationship is forged. Loyalty exists. Something meaningful is created, a bond between two people. And that's what's unique amongst people. What's unique in people is the power of speech because the power of speech is the power to create relationship, to create, to commune through communication, to bring people together, to bond people together. That's the power of speech. And that's why, heaven forbid, when somebody misuses it, whether in the case of Lashon Hara, where they speak negatively about others, where they plant mistrust between people, when they speak harshly to one, to somebody else, then the power of speech becomes uh, 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 something which damages, something which separates. And it's the very opposite of its usage. Its main purpose, its real, real goal is to bring people together. I want to bring you another illustration of this. Something that's, I think, again, worthy of consideration. Do you know that there's a bracha in the Shemana Esrei that we speak about for this week's Parsha? What do I mean? There's a bracha v'lamalshinim al-tihisikva. For the malshinim, there should be no hope. Who are the malshinim? What does it mean to be a malshin? A malshin is a, 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 a talebearer. Malshin, the root of the word malshin is lashon. Malshin is to speak negatively. The malshin is the talebearer. Now when we say this bracha, you know, this is the one very negative bracha of the Shemana Esrei. It was a bracha which was established, which its context is, that Hashem should destroy the wicked. Shover oivim u'machni azeidim. u'machni azeidim. Hashem should, v'amashinim al-tisikva, to the malshinim there should be no hope. The wicked should be destroyed. It's the 19th bracha of the 18 brachas of the Shemana Esrei, as you know. Originally, Chazal made 18 brachos, and then they needed someone to establish Birchas Haminim, a bracha in the time of the second base Hamidosh against the heretics. Maybe it was against the growing movements of the Tzedukim or the Christian sects that were growing out of the Jewish people. The Rambam writes that when they came to that juncture, they saw something which was the greatest threat of anything, the greatest need of the Jewish people. I'll read to you, it's fascinating, the language of the Rambam. He says, as he describes the development of this bracha, in the days of Rabbi Gamliel, Rabu Haminim bi Israel, there grew the movement of heretics within the Jewish people, Vayumitzirinli Israel. And they were causing anguish to the Jewish people. Some have the text, Mesir and Israel. They were taking the Jewish people away from their faith. 
They were moving them to turn away from Hashem. And when Hashem this was the greatest of all human needs, so he went and he established a bracha that asks Hashem to get rid of the heretical movements from within the Jewish people. And that's the bracha of Allah Malshinim. So I don't get it. Malshinim? Malshinim means people, again, who speak negatively, who tattle, maybe what we call be Moser, to give over the Jewish people to other... We're not talking about that. We're talking about heretics. Okay, so maybe this is the way the heretics caused problems for the Jewish people, that they were turncoats, that they, that they t- turned the Romans against the Jewish people. You know, many early texts say, V'la mishumadim al Mishumadim is the term for someone who's given up their faith. That would fit. But Lamalshinim is about people who say Loshon Harau, people say negative things. And I wonder if the idea is because, of course, you understand that the heretics, they were the deniers of the Mesorah, of the tradition of the Jewish people. That was the real threat during the time of the second Beis Hamikdash. was the Tzedukim, the Sadducees. They're the Minim. What they did was they said... What our parents taught us, what our mentors, what our teachers taught us, generation to generation, we don't accept. They didn't accept the oral Torah. They were the community of distrust. They were the community where what one person communicates to the other is not meaningful, is not trusted. The premise of the Yom Tov of Pesach is, as the Ramban teaches, is that there's an absolute assumption that when people speak to their children, they give them over something which they believe to be true. A person doesn't give over a heritage of falsehood. We share, we communicate, we speak one generation to another. We give things that should be trusted, that should be meaningful, that could be relied upon. If we raise a child that the first words we teach him are, Torah tziva lanu Moshe, Morosha Kilas Yaakov. Moshe Rabbeinu instructed us in the Torah, which is the heritage to be given over from generation to generation. We're not just telling the child, you know, you can learn now. We're telling the child, you know, you're going to start to speak. When you speak, you share something which is of immense value. Speech is sharing, it's communication, it's trust. I'm speaking to you now. What I'm speaking to you is what I've been given from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe, who gave it to Yoshua, who gave it to the Zakanim, who gave it. Right? We, we started reading Pirkei Avos this Shabbos. The teachings of fathers. The teachings of generation to generation. And we started by telling us how everything we learn in the Torah, it started with Moshe and it goes all the way down the line. Because that communication is the glue. If on Pesach we meld together generations, and every person is supposed to view themselves as if they left Egypt. How do we do that? We communicate, parents to children. We communicate to each other questions and answers. We create a community of trust through communication, through speaking with one another. The power of speech is an amazing thing. It's what distinguishes humankind. Because what distinguishes humankind is the ability to forge a relationship. Real relationship. Not like the relationship of animals that come together for convenience and then separate and go their own separate ways. 
but a bond which is real, which sticks, brings generations together, which brings people, you know, so to speak, not just vertically from the generations, but horizontally people, communities together to share, to talk, to converse, to discuss. It's an immensely powerful thing. That communication, that is the key to community. That's the Torah that I wanted to share with you. I'm going to share with you shortly one other Torah thought. But I want to transition to speak practically for us in our context, in our world today. Yes, this is it's practical because we're coming from Pesach. We're headed to the Yom Tov of Shavuot. So much of this time is about relationships, kavod honor to one another, and all those beautiful things. But the big story for the world, for the Jewish people, for the, for the 32 of us together here, B'li'ayin hara, you know, you know, in this conversation, is the tremendous recognition of what community, connection, and relationship means that we have today, today, in a way which is fundamentally different than we had a month ago, than we had five weeks ago. We have it both because of a certain hunger for relationship, which uh, is there because of the isolation that to some significant degree exists for some who are living by themselves, for others who are living with others but separated from others who would normally be in their lives, whether in their home life, family members who might visit, whether neighbors who they would spend time or friends who they would spend time with. And what all of us miss, which is, you know, community. The presence of community. I mean, it's, it's nice to take walks. I spend as much time as I can, really, when I can, like sitting outside in front of my house. If I want to learn, I sit in front of my house. If I want to be, need to be on the phone, I sit in front of my house if the weather allows it, just because it's so nice to see the people who walk by, the people who drive by. Uh, you know, we're starving a little bit for for family and for community and for connection. Um, And that's on the one hand. Uh, On the other hand, hopefully, we're also experiencing connection and relationship in a positive way that we didn't before. Yes, there's isolation, but within the framework of isolation, we have to focus more if we're privileged to live in a house with others, and we go, for example, through Shabbos, Yom Tiv, three-day Yom Tiv, right, in a house with whatever uh, you know, group of people, we, we need to learn how to communicate. And maybe we, maybe we did come to connect to each other in a way which was different, in a way which was better. Even those who spent Yantiv completely alone. But you know, the intentional reaching out to people, which I hope is happening a lot, you know, to not just 
I speak to people because I bump into them. But the need to go out of our way to speak to people, to meet, to meet with people, I think our capacity of relationship has been given the opportunity to grow in a significant way. Even our relationship to Hashem, tefillah, prayer, which in some ways may have suffered because of the fact that we're not in shul, we're not able to daven, we're not able to have the beautiful song and everything that's there in shul. Maybe people who, you know, we have these, these Zoom and Yanim, which are very good in many ways. They, they have us davening with a pace. You know, sometimes when a person davens alone at home, things can go very quickly. But I know from many that it's an opportunity to actually daven at our own pace, find ways to have our own communication with Hashem without reliance on sort of just riding the wave of communal prayer. It's also significant. It's also a power of communication and connection which we've had a chance to develop. And um, I think that it's, a, it's one of the rich opportunities of this time. We, we have been endowed with this power of speech. It's there for us as people because a human being is not supposed to be alone. And we here now are building an understanding and an appreciation of what relationship means. Yes, maybe relationship to the community that we feel more hungry for. Maybe relationship for those around us who we have no choice but to try to learn to really connect to and to communicate with better. Whether that intentional relationship outside of our house for those who we reach to and speak to and turn to who we know, you know, without that don't have automatic or natural relationships. Every one of these areas is something within which we can build. I want to share with you and repeat to you, because I know I shared this with some of you before Pesach. It's one of my favorite thoughts of Pesach. And so I don't get tired of saying it. I hope you don't get tired of hearing it. But there's a medrash which tells us that when Hashem came to Moshe Rabbeinu to appear to him at the burning bush, he wanted to get Moshe Rabbeinu's attention. Now God, as everybody knows from Orson Welles, has a very deep voice. And if God would reach out to Moshe Rabbeinu, as Moshe Rabbeinu is shepherding his sheep and walking through the desert, Hashem was worried that Moshe Rabbeinu would jump, he would be shocked. So Hashem said, what am I going to do? I'm going to reach out to him in my voice, in my voice that shover arazim, that breaks cedar trees. I'll scare him, scare the daylights out of him. So he says, so, so I have an idea, so I'll, I'll appear to him in a whisper. I'll silence my very, very deep, loud voice. I'll just whisper. I'll say, Moshe, Moshe. He says, but if I whisper, he'll walk right by. He won't take it seriously. So Hashem said, I have the perfect idea. I'll appear to him in the voice of his father. I'll appear to him in the voice of his father. The voice of his father is supposed to be perfectly modulated. 
it's not too hard that will chase him away. And it's not too soft that it will be ignored. It's just right. It's the voice that will get his attention, but at the same time will draw him in and not push him away. And so Hashem appeared to Moshe Rabbeinu using Amram's voice. And Moshe Rabbeinu turned and said, Amram, Dad, is that you? And that's why the first words that Hashem said was, no, I'm not your father, I'm the God of your father. That's what the Medrash says. It's such a beautiful Medrash, because you understand that what's happening there is Moshe Rabbeinu is being charged with taking the Jewish people out of Egypt. And the way each and every year we're supposed to celebrate the holiday that commemorates the Jewish people being taken out of Egypt is by having family members, parents and children sit around the table and have the parent give over to the child their essence, their story, their identity. And the parent can't speak too strongly because then the child will close down or run away from the table. And if the parent speaks too much in a whisper, then the child won't pay attention. They have to have the perfect voice, the voice that's heard, paid attention to, but the voice that draws in instead of pushes away. And that's a beautiful picture of what communication is supposed to look like. It's the story of the voice that called Moshe Rabbeinu, and it would be the voice ultimately of Moshe Rabbeinu, and the voice that we're supposed to echo all the time. In this discussion tonight, I would hope just to, to um, have stimulated some thought you know, between all of us and all of us about this time when community is so different, when communication is so different, when relationship has both its challenges and its incredible, incredible opportunities. But I want specifically to note that when we think about, and when you know, the world of the psychologists think about the things that will make people strong and resilient, and be able to withstand all kinds of upheaval, like the kind of upheaval that we collectively have now. Of the most critical elements is the bond that people have with family slash friends slash community. Relationships create resilience. And they create resilience because people understand that we're there for each other, and we will be there for each other. And you know, when we're, when we're supported, when people are supported, when they're able to confide, when they're able to share, when they're connected, so then we're very strong. We're very, very strong. That strength is gonna be, is built of good and healthy communication, of speaking in the right tone, of using the opportunity of this time to really to speak to each other in a different way than we do at other times. To realize how much the relationships matter, the relationships in our house, the friendships outside. I will not have served this conversation well 
if I didn't use the opportunity to again encourage everyone here to make sure to pick up a phone at least at least once a day to call someone who would benefit from the conversation. You can all, everyone here can think, can imagine, knows whether people who are going through this period living alone or whether people who may live in a home with others but still deeply need that connection, that friendship, that communication. It's the tool which we absolutely have, which hasn't been taken away from us by this. If anything, it's a tool that's been sharpened, that's been highlighted in a magnificent way by what, by, by what we're going through. How valuable it is to communicate. How bonding it is with the people who we live with, with the people who are part of our community, with our friends, immediate, beyond. Let's really use the Koach Hadibur. If in our Parsha we read about it as the Mitzorah who used it negatively and was separated from community, as we yearn for a strengthening of community, as we are put in a position of building much stronger relationships immediately around ourselves, let's use the power of speech the way it was meant, as only human beings can, as only people of relationship can. And may we see Bezos Hashem that in this period, this period from when Moshe couldn't say a word, Till he learned how to share and to teach us and to become the Torah Tzivalanu Moshe, to create the bond of the generations, to create that trust. Right? The ones, the heretics, they're the ones who speak negatively. They're the ones who don't understand what a Jewish community is built on, what a community, what family is built on. May we build it, may we build it right, may we build it with trust. And may we, Mirz Hashem, come together at the end of this, hopefully soon, hopefully soon, so connected, so connected in our familial relationships, in our friendships, and so empowered, Bezus Hashem, to bring our community back together. Biyeser se'esu, biyeser oz, with the greater strength than ever. I can't wait. Can't wait. Nice to see you. Rabbi, thank you so much. This was so wonderful.